listeners uh, no intro no <laughs> regular intro today because this is a not a regular episode uh obviously we, we normally stick to our brackets but we're doing something a little bit different this year we love doing our annual year in review episode uh bracket up all of the best new things in the world of disney we were essentially presented with the option of running a bracket like that uh but we elected to actually go in a different direction and, and we'll sort of explain why as we go through the episode. Um, but before we really get into it, we do want to announce for our Jerry's Gang Patreon members that our our seasonal Disney trivia is coming up on January 7th yep. uh, at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So if you're one of our Jerry's Gangers and you're a trivia fiend, uh, slide through. It's going to be super fun. Kyle got a great prize Ooh. last time he was at Disneyland. A little jealous. Might need to figure <laughs> out a way to scoop one up for myself and if you want to get in on any of this trivia action uh head over to patreon.com slash mouse madness and uh and join us uh, yeah. it's, it's a really fun place to be we do trivia four times a year uh, and we give out a prize at the end it's, it's, it's a very very fun time great great gift a little oh, christmas yeah. gift to give to yourself <laughs> or your loved one uh patreon patreon with the mouse madness squad uh it's a it's a good time um anyways uh to, to so we're revisiting 2023 Yep. today and um it's a busy time in our personal lives kyle you, you you're moving yep I'm out, I'm out here getting engaged bro congratulations uh and and so we've been at this for a long time we're we're, we're <laughs> over four and a half years into this thing uh and we've we've never missed a week Never no. missed a week of uploads. Uh, we, we used to do every other week, uh, and then we moved to weekly somewhere around 2020. Uh, so either way, we never have um, skipped a week of, of content. Um, so so it's been a lot. And, and <laughs> this is we do, we don't make money doing this. Like this, no. is, we have real full time jobs. So between the craziness of work and holiday travel and all that stuff, um, we needed to move some things around, and hence uh, we're not going to do a traditional best of 2023 bracket. Um, we're just going to have a little conversation today, yeah. Kyle. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I'm still really looking forward to it because I think there is a lot to talk about. Yeah, me too. There, I, There's a ton to talk about. And I'm bummed that we're not doing a bracket. But as you said, the end of the year just gets insane. And it's been insane for the two of us as of late. 2023 was a big year just in general. Um, so we are not only going to take a break from the brackets and do this kind of conversational show, but we're actually going to skip next week altogether. We're going to give ourselves the the week after Christmas, uh, the week of New Year's off completely. There won't be a new episode and we'll pick up the brackets in the new year uh, starting that first Monday of January. So you're going to be Mouse Madness list on a Monday for the first time in a couple of years. <laughs> Uh, but it's a much needed break for for Chris and I, and I'm super stoked to 
spend some time uh debriefing on the disney year uh, uh yeah it needs to be done it needs to be done uh, regardless of us doing a bracket or not we can still talk about the highs and lows of this year and uh yeah I- i'm excited yeah and and before we do that i i mean i'm still rocking a spoonful of sugar over here i don't uh, know if you've got anything big same big all right same. Wh- what, do you, what do you got so as chris said i moved but i didn't really move far from my original place in Oakland. We just moved to a new neighborhood. And in this neighborhood, we happen to be about a 15 minutes walk from a brewery. And that is a ghost town brewery. Mm. And I've had them before on the podcast. Yeah, me um, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You as well. And this is their tap room here in this district. And so I swung by today after dropping off a bunch of stuff at Goodwill. And I grabbed a, uh, a numbskull Imperial Red Ale. We're in the middle of, of of a rainy, rainy weekend. Yeah. I guess it's the middle of a week. It's not even a weekend. And uh, that cold weather really brings out that red ale in me. I oh, talked yeah. about the Christmas beers. I've talked about the ambers. Here's a red. And so I've never had it before, but I saw it uh, when I went in this morning and I was like, I'm, I'm going to grab that. Let me just give that a shot. Yeah, this is, if you like the like, more on the amber side of things, uh, where it's a little bit more like malty. This is the other end of the spectrum where it's more on towards the Ailey hops sort of situation. So it tastes like a hybrid of some sort of like IPA and amber. Um, delicious for me because I do love me an IPA. So uh, I'm happy with this numbskull, <laughs> terrifying label of a zombie. Merry Christmas to us. Uh, that's what I'm zipping on, Chris. Awesome. What are you drinking, man? Well, I'm I'm glad I actually had the opportunity to get a beer going here because I, I had one of those days where it was like I have a certain number of things to do and they need to happen in the right order uh, for all of it to really work out. So it was like work, podcast, run. Yeah. Uh, and depending on which order those things happened, I would be able to drink a beer. And fortunately, I was able to finish work and run before we're doing this recording. So it's there beer. It's beer there o'clock. And I um, made a little trip to Total Wine to see if I could find like a, a single holiday beer that I could sip on while we do this. Uh, and I found the the seasick crocodile here. Whoa! Uh, and this, and I mean, it's called seasick crocodile. So I, I don't know that this is like normally a holiday kind of drink because that's not really like a holiday beer name. But right. it's got this ugly sweater pattern on the can that has Santa getting chased by a crocodile. Yeah. Looks like looks like he got the the little butt seat on his um, <laughs> pants torn off by the crocodile. Uh, and this one comes from Prairie Artisan Ales, which is in. McAllister, Oklahoma, but the the it's spelled M C A L E S T E R, so it might be McAlester, which is a cool place for beer to be brewing to be brewed. Beers. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a sour ale with cranberries, ginger, cinnamon, and nutmeg. And I was Ooh. skeptical. I was very skeptical. I was like, all of those flavors seem like they belong in a regular ale, in yeah. a stout, in some kind of darker beer. I don't know how well they're going to work with the sour. Boy, let me tell you. Th- this holiday season, when you're going to mom's house, you're going to dad's house, grandma and grandpa's house, pick up a six pack of Prairie Artisan Ale Seasick Crocodile. Because I, I will guarantee you this will be the crowd-pleasing beer at your holiday gathering. Oh, wow. Uh, it is uh, 
it tastes a lot like if you combined like um, Martinelli's sparkling cider with just like a little, just like a little hint of cinnamon. Okay. It it almost tastes like um, yeah, like it like a really good applesauce or something. Ooh. And the and the nutmeg is very very um faint, but I think the cranberries give it a nice like kind of pucker to it. Um, yeah, totally. At the at the front. And then sort of on the back end, you get that real holiday sort of like flavor to it. Very impressed. Very surprised. Very good. Go pick it up. It's also very Disney of you to get a beer called Seasick Crocodile, which is a lyric from the Grinch that Thurl sings. Oh, is it? Yes. The, I don't know um, the Grinch song. The Gr- In well. the Grinch song, he says, what is it? Everybody's singing it at that is listening to this podcast right now, but it's. Something about a seasick crocodile, Mr. Okay, so maybe it is a holiday specific, just a very niche holiday reference. Yeah, exactly. It's picked out, but that's perfect for a beer. I like that a lot. All right, so we're fully strapped with spoonfuls of sugar here uh, (laughs) this week. So I'm happy at least we can keep that tradition going. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I mean, part of the reason to... We were skeptical going into the 2024 review anyways, because both of us were kind of like... We've been we've been bad Disney fans yeah. this year, uh, meaning that there were a few things that came out this year that we just didn't get to watch. Big one of those is Disney Wish, which came out, you know, a month ago, but was supposed to be this very monumental Walt Disney Animation Studios piece. It was going to be kind of an homage to all of the things that came before it. And, and like we just didn't have time to do it. So I initially I was like, you're right. We have been a really, really bad Disney fans. But, but then I was like, you know what? There's so much stuff this year, this year. And like nowadays there's so much Disney stuff. We gotta, we gotta cut ourselves some slack. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. I think that, uh, especially when it comes to movies, uh, we were bad, but we were also especially bad just keeping up with all of the changes, all of the things that were coming out, all of the different pieces of content, all of the releases of merch, like Usually you and I are pretty on top of it and we're sending each other links. But this this year has been a, a crazy one uh, in our lives that we've, we're bad at keeping up with all of that stuff. And so it didn't feel like we were going to be able to take on our bracket full force. Um, and that fatigue is hitting it. You know, like this year, more than ever, the podcast, the podcast is an escape. I love doing the podcast because mm-hmm. it allows me to not focus on the normal life stuff, the work stuff, all of that. But Disney has made being a fan such a job in 2023. Yes. The fatigue of content and news and updates and a lot of it is not even worth it. A lot of it is just them doing things for the sake of doing things on Disney Plus, changing things in the park just to change things in the park. And it's not even impactful. Uh, And we can, I'm going to dive in further into that. But I think that fatigue set in heavy, especially in the latter half of 2023, where I was like, I can't see everything. I can't yeah. see all of the Marvel shows coming out on Disney+. Plus. I can't make it to a theater to see all of the releases that they have. And by the time it is released to theaters, I, I'm annoyed by their marketing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like the fatigue of it all really set in in 2023. And I'm hoping that there's something that really reinvigorates and resets itself at the Disney company. Kind of seems like they will with a lot of the cancellations that they're doing. Um, but the fatigue is real and it's not just us. It's common in the Disney fan community. Well, I mean, you, I think back to like my Disney fandom and let's, let's say like 2012, 2013, 
being able to call yourself a Disney fan <clears throat> didn't really have anything to do with like, oh, have you seen all of the shows that have come out this year? Have you seen all of the movies that have come out this year from Star Wars, from Marvel, from Disney, from Pixar, from National Geographic? Oh, did you see that um, Taylor Swift behind the scenes piece that came out on Disney Plus? Did you buy that merch? Like, did you see that like show, whatever? It was just, there was just a lot less. And also a lot of it was sort of like um, looking into the past, right? Like being yeah. a Disney fan meant like, you throw on 101 Dalmatians once in a while. Like yep. you love going to the amusement parks, not to experience everything that's brand new, but to experience all of those things that you've experienced so many times before. Yeah. Um, and so like this idea that being a Disney fan means being on top of all of the Disney news. This is a completely new phenomenon that has only begun just in the last like three or four years. Totally. Um, totally. So, you know, on the one hand, we've been really bad Disney fans, but I'm like, we should put a, some respect on our own names, but you know, because like all that being said, we also, we consumed a lot of Disney stuff this year. Yeah. Like we did, <laughs> you know, they might not have been like the new things that happened in 2023, but like I've, I threw thousands and thousands of dollars at the Disney company <laughs> this year. Uh, so, and, and gave them a lot of my time and attention as well. So before we talk about like the new things that came out in 2023 that we want to react to, let's talk about some things that maybe we experienced for the first time in 2023 mm -hmm. that we had never gotten to experience before. Love it. Um, be, this, is, this is just sort of like our own <laughs> 2023 year of Disney review uh, personally yeah, for sure. each one of us. Uh, and if you are regular listeners of the show uh, and the Patreon channel, a lot of these are things you've heard us talk about before. Um, but uh, I got to do a VIP tour this year at, sure did. at Disneyland, which at the end of the day, let's call it what it was, a really, really nice person to chat with, to make your day like fun and also hooked you up with all of the customized stuff. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I think we mentioned that, like, I'm sure you could have customized it in a way that it was like Disney history and fun fact focused, but like, she was crushing those those ride reservations. Like, let's sure. be real. <laughs> Got to go to Club Thirty Three, which yeah. was a very very interesting experience. Amazing food, amazing ambiance. Something I decided that you know I don't think I'll be missing out on anything by not going to Club 33 every time I go to Disneyland, but so happy I got to experience it in 2023. And 2023 being the, the 100th anniversary of the company, to go to something that is extremely exclusive, that, you know, mm -hmm. the in the single digits percentage of Disney fans get to experience in a place that was like really, really meaningful to Walt there's a lot there that you going in 2023 is like significant. It's pretty awesome. They had um, like drink coasters that had the Disney 100 logo alongside the Club 33 logo. I kept one of those. Yeah. Hell yeah. I might have kept a few of those. I don't know. Um, one like revelation that I had this year was my appreciation for the Disney Photo Pass service. Oh, yeah. Like we went to Walt Disney World this year and Photo Pass made my vacation. Like, I'm not going to lie, like being able to see your ride photos as they come in, no yeah. watermark, you know, yeah. amazing. Being Incredible. able to, to, you know, we got 15 minutes before our next Genie Plus reservation. Like, let's queue up for this little photo in front of the Japan Pavilion. Yeah. Loved it. Um, and then also like all of the new dining experiences that I got to experience for the first time. 
the birria grilled cheese mm. on Main Street at Disneyland. Um, nom, nom, nom. <laughs> Ogas. It's crazy that like Ogas has been open for like so long, relatively speaking, in the world of Disney. And I never got to do it. And we did yeah. it uh, this year, me for the first time. And it, it blew me away. Totally. I had high expectations and it blew me away. Space 220. Come on. Super fun. <laughs> uh, I think I take Ogas over Space 20 in a head-to-head matchup, but great Probably. vibe. Great vibe. And then, of course, Liberty Tr- Tree Tavern, uh, Thanksgiving dinner, that ooey gooey toffee cake. Uh, <laughs> just so good. So, you know, being able to experience this, you know, world of Disney in a different way this year, even though it might not have been like the new for 2023 things, I, I really enjoyed like, getting to learn a little bit more about some of these things that I re- had really never done before. I never woken up at 2 a.m. to make a dining reservation. <laughs> I was happy I got to do that for the first time this year. Uh, anything, yeah. Kyle, that you experienced in 2023 for the first time you want to shout out? Yeah, I think the uh, the big, big obvious is Walt Disney World in general. Yeah, and I've I'm a, also a consumer of Disney, obviously Disney history stuff, but also other Disney content creators, mostly in the podcasting realm. And there's a lot of them that are Walt Disney World focused, and so I've spent all of these years listening and and hearing about Walt Disney World stuff and not really being able to understand, only being able to relate it to Disneyland. So to finally be able to go, I can now have a new appreciation, not only for those content creators, but now I feel like I have been given the key to start Mm -hmm. diving into more of the history stuff of Walt Disney World that I've avoided because I didn't care because I never went. So like that's opened up an entire new fandom in me that I can now start diving into further, diving into reading more materials, watching more documentaries. Like it, that trip as a whole was such a fun time. Uh, it was go, go, go in the best way. The photo passes are a huge part of that. Like we have these high quality moments and they were moments like a lot of those aren't manufactured. It's what you said. We got 15 minutes. Let's just go take a photo. And we can remember <laughs> the exact scenario and situation that we were in in every single one of those photos. We will remember each photographer in every one of those photos. Like that that was an experience in and of itself. And so just being able to reflect on that and have a new appreciation for the company uh and I get no, for the brand, not for the company, but for the brand like yeah. I'm stoked on that. And in particular, I got to see the greatest pre-show of all time in Dinosaur and I'm so glad I did because they're going to be taking that thing out. Yeah. So like, yeah, come on. Best bet that. Ah, so good. The second one was I became a member of the Walt Disney Family Museum this year. It was a gift for Valentine's Day. And it is something that really itches the Disney history bone in my body. Like this is something that I love because it is not so tied to the company it's tied to a lot of the history of yeah. of Walt, who I'm not, I don't idolize in any way, but there are so many particularly interesting tidbits about his life, uh, about the choices he made that influence the brand itself. And it's so fun to be a part of the museum that brings in a lot of great Disney speakers to talk about their experiences at the company or projects that they're working on around Walt. Um, eventually this month, I hope this week, I'll release a episode about my visit at the museum with a talk with Don Hahn, who is a Disney producer, most notably in the Renaissance. 
and that was one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to do uh, because even in the, in the audience was uh, the voice of Mowgli. It was the director of Goofy Movie. Uh, it was a, a bunch of the Tarzan anim- animators that came back to listen to their friend talk. And so I just got to be in this room of like modern day legends uh, for the price of my membership. It was it was so sick. So that has brought in like a new a new angle for for me to get my Disney out without having to like shell out thousands of dollars to the big company. I can do something for this the smaller museum here in the Bay Area. And then the third thing, dude, I've talked so much smack on this attraction. I've talked so much smack. I've talked about how it's better to watch than it is to ride. And I said that ignorantly because I had never been on it. And this year, I went on it. If you're a part of, uh, I guess it was Jerry's game. No, I did a whole episode on it by myself, I think. I went on a trip by myself to Disneyland with some family friends that had their kids. And we went on Luigi's Rollickin' Roadsters. And I had a car to myself. And let me tell you, that is something that will make you giggle nonstop. It's not something that I'm going to go on every time I'm there. But if I'm with somebody who's never been on it, you bet we're going to stand in that line and we're going to get on Luigi's. I had so much fun and then a whole new appreciation for Cars Land, which is so easy to just be like, that is one of the greatest lands that's ever built. Let's walk through it. Oh, isn't it amazing? But then you get into something as simple as this kid ride, this Luigi's Rollickin' Roadsters, and you're like, this trackless system that barely moves you around is somehow so fun and scary at some points. <laughs> so I loved it a lot. I was so happy I was able to experience that in 2023. Uh, and that's kind of my big three for the year. Yeah. So, you know, even though we might not have been up to date on every Disney Plus release that came out this year, um, I, I think we did great. I think we did just fine as Disney fans, yeah. uh, even though we might not want to admit it. <laughs> All right, let's t- let's start talking about 2023. Please. The things in the Disney company, the world of Disney that happened in 2023, uh, let's break it down. And and we can split this up to kind of into the the goods and the not so goods. Sure. Um, and I think the first good one for me, mostly good, uh, is Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And I do want to talk about Marvel in a bigger kind of picture when we talk about some of the bads. Yeah. But for the most part, Guardians 3 felt like a good Marvel product uh, in that it was a self-contained story. I think for the most part, anyone could appreciate it. Uh, I had not um, seen... Uh, uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. I think the la- was the last yeah. movie that the Guardians appeared in. Like I, I hadn't seen that I in a while. That, yeah. I watched it in like in like one day. It was okay. in one ear and out the other. <laughs> uh, and obviously, like they had a lot to do in like the um, Infinity War, Endgame. So I wasn't really fresh with like where I'm picking up this Guardians of the Galaxy story. Uh, and I think they did a, a good job, sort of just like rehashing the basics. Uh, so that I I could feel like I was enjoying just like a real nice like self-contained uh, movie, yeah. Without having to feel like oh I missed I missed uh, the Marvels and I missed uh, Loki season two and so I I can't understand what's happening in Guardians three. So I like that. I love a movie that talks about some like very complex like mature <laughs> themes and and Guardians did that really well. Yeah, uh, talking Maybe a little about too like thick. yeah, I mean the the bad guy like that his name was ultimate 
evolutionary or something. Mm-hmm. And the way he was kind of talking, it was a very like Instagram, anti-Instagram culture kind of movie. Right. Um, but got a shout out. We did a bracket this year on the best Marvel fight scene and that hallway fight with Beastie Boys going was one of I, like top three, man. That was so sick. Can I suggest something to you? Sure. Maybe sometime this week, or I know that you're taking a cross-country flight. Go ahead and download the... Um, Disney Plus always does the Assembled series where mm-hmm. they do the behind the scenes of every Marvel theatrical release. Watch that one because mm-hmm. they talk about how they not only shot that scene, but how to choreograph it. Yeah. And it is incredible. It is so impressive. It like gave me chills sitting there watching them explain it. And then you watch the like stunt run through and then you watch them do it. It is so sick. It, in my head, I was I was thinking about kind of like how they shot it as I was watching it. Uh, and I just picture those like TikToks of like the the guy with the camera like running in and out. <laughs> yeah. And, then, you know, and then like I was like, this is cameraman cook. Yeah. What what is happening? <laughs> um, but I mean, I didn't love it completely. I thought it was like pretty good. You know, is uh, I was getting big like Coco 2 vibes from it, getting a little yeah. Zootopia 2 vibes from it. They they laid on the rocket raccoon stuff very thick, yeah, very very thick to the point where I was like, this just. I understand what they're doing, but this just feels like they're um, reaching for people to post on social media about like, oh my god, it's so sad. It's I appreciated them. Animals. I appreciated them diving into Rocket's story so that we don't have to have a standalone. I didn't need it. I didn't need this any was, of it. I well, don't need to know about Rocket Raccoon. Well, I. I think it's going to influence the future of of the Guardians, right? Well, yeah, he's going to lead them. So like now we don't need a in intermediate film that is like Rocket's origins. We got that in three and the handoff at the same time. So now let's just move on, which I appreciate because, you know, they would capitalize on it or we'll get a whole damn show on it, mm-hmm. which is honestly probably better. So you can skip it. Sure. <laughs> Uh, Tron Light Cycle Run. I believe ah. this um, debuted in Hong Kong a couple of years ago, but Ye- years. was new in Magic Kingdom for this year, and we got to experience, and it was just so fun. Mm. I think the queue can use a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more something, but the actual ride itself is um, not as short as I anticipated. Everyone's saying it's too short. I thought it was just fine, uh, yep. and the on-ride photography is just really cool souvenir. So I enjoyed that one. World of Frozen came out in Hong Kong Disneyland like a couple weeks ago. World yeah. of Fo- Frozen opened up and like everyone, you know me, you know I'm a big Frozen fan. Uh, and totally. I thought this was this like I like I'm like I said, I'm a big Frozen fan. Pound for mm-hmm. pound, I think it can compete with Harry Potter Wizarding World. I think those, Disney those- has caught on to the fact that if we create an area that is more than just like ride a ride and get the heck out of there. I think, you know, you have some of that revisibility, revisitability um, value. Yeah. I, I would highly encourage you to, y'all to check out some videos on it. The rides itself are like carbon copies of ones that already exist, but you know, they've got a little dessert shack that those treats look mm, so good and like <laughs> so beautiful. But the thing that blew me away was this like, uh, I think it's called like Anna and Elsa's Playhouse or like the Arendelle mm. Playhouse or something. And it's just, it's a room. It's a big room that you stand in 
and Anna and Elsa come out and it's like it at first it's like they're doing like a little show for you and then it becomes like a full interactive exhibit and oh. Anna and Elsa are like moving in through the crowd with you they don't let in a ton of people at a time so it feels like you're having these like organic experiences with your your frozen princesses it's like they're your friends like in your group at Disneyland yeah ooh They'll just yes. come up to you and be like, can you like, just like raise your hand like that and the ice spikes will like come out of the wall or whatever. Really unique and I thought was such a cool idea. Yeah, that's so great. World of Frozen looks very fun. Haunted Mansion, we talked about it a little bit um, when we were talking about ghosts. Um, music, great. Themes, great. Great tribute to the mansion. Um, didn't love some of the stupid comedy, but for the most part, I was not disappointed in and which we we were very nervous about. We were very, yeah. very nervous about that movie. And I think for the most part, uh, it stuck. Yeah. Now I had to watch it twice, but that second <laughs> that second viewing, like I I knew appreciation. I'm glad they yeah. did it. I'm glad they did it. Uh, and the last like good for me in 2023 <laughs> in the world of Disney was the return of Magic Happens, baby. It's back. It's, it's back, better or than was ever. Back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely, you know, when it left, uh, it was Frozen 2 was like pretty new. And so it, it already felt like it kind of needed a little updating when I saw it this year. Um, but it was just really fun to kind of for it to get a little curtain call because it was such a good parade. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that it comes back after the Christmas parade leaves. I, I don't know. I doubt it, but it would be the easiest thing to just crowd please like just yeah. put it in while you develop the next thing don't go on a hiatus don't bring back i mean they already announced a lot that they're going to do at disneyland in the next year part of it is bringing back like the pixar play parade over at dca perfect use to redevelop and like think about other things but don't just trot out like i swear to god if we get the electrical light parade again like retire that bad boy let that thing die <laughs> but yeah i like yours i mean like you got you got you touched on a lot there you touched on the marvel stuff you touched a little bit on the park stuff you touched on disney continuing to try and reinvigorate their live action spectrum and i i appreciate them for that mine are uh there's some similarities in in ours uh for sure the first one though is that disney for, in celebration of their 100th anniversary, which has been not great. Uh, and I started a one episode series on it on Patreon and then never returned. But it's because it wasn't anything to report on. There was, They hadn't done anything very noteworthy. In fact, Chris and I were in Walt Disney World on the day that Disney yeah. turned 100. True. And there was no spectacle. There was like no, there was like a shirt that said like, I was here on, you know, it didn't say that, but it was like that. Um, and that's super disappointing because it should be a celebration of the history of this company, not necessarily a celebration of like the parks itself or a film itself. But what they did do is they started a traveling exhibition uh, called the Disney 100 exhibit, the Disney 100, the exhibition that was Basically, like if you've gone to the Walt Disney Family Museum, it was that on steroids. They had stuff from the, the origins of the Disney company through today, a ton of exhibits to check out, a ton of incredible artifacts, incredible memorabilia and props. 
And it all started in Pennsylvania, which is awesome because the Pennsylvania uh, Orchestra, yes, Symphony. Philadelphia Symphony is the ones that recorded Fantasia. Mm. And so Fantasia was kind of like, I believe the real kickstart of Walt's creative juices and as far as filmmaking goes and as far as like where we take the animation medium. So to have it start there is really cool at the Franklin Institute. And then it it, it crossed crossed over, it went to Munich, Germany. It went to London for a bit. Uh, actually, it's still there. And then half of it is in Chicago right now. Hmm. And so like that celebration to me is so important. And it's so cool because it's talking more about the the heart of this brand instead of trying to sell us on half-baked celebrations in the parks or on the screen or hey it's been a hundred years we're going to re-release seven for whatever reason mickey mouse shorts on disney plus from the 30s like none of this was thought out we had an entire three years of sitting at home to think through what we could do for this big centennial and they didn't do it so this Disney 100 is huge for me. I love that they did it. I wish I could see it. The next one is The Little Mermaid, the live action film. I thought that was so good. Um, I thought that there, there were moments in which the CGI wasn't super great. There were moments that felt a little bit too heavy handed. We did a whole review of it over on Jerry's Gang. But the soundtrack is phenomenal. Hallie is an incredible singer. Obviously, we've been knowing that. I think that it stayed true enough to the story of The Little Mermaid, which wasn't strong anyways, and then built upon it and gave us a little bit more. I wish that Aquafina was not in it. Uh, I think that they <laughs> they had a lot of fun with like the colors. They had a lot of fun with the land portion of the film, which I think is even more important than the ocean. And that was a great choice for them CGI wise. And I would just left it feeling really full. And it's, it takes a lot these days for them to leave me feeling really full. And I thought they did a great job of that. And the aftermath of it, the inspiration that she served to a ton of kids, a ton of kids of color, like it's dope. So much so that like we went out of our way at Hollywood Studios to go visit mm-hmm. with the the, True. Yeah. the actor. And I hate doing that shit. And I did it. And it was awesome. Like it's really cool. So I loved that. In like the same spirit, Splash Mountain closes. <laughs> and like we've talked about Splash Mountain. We've talked about what a great nostalgic ride it is and how we can also accept at the same time that it's based on a property that is not good. It's not good as far as film wise goes. Like it's not a good film. And whoever says that it is, is lying to you. Also, just what it represents and stands for. And so like it's great that they're correcting it. And what's even better is they're not getting rid of the ride. If you love the flume ride, the flume storytelling experience with a big splashdown at the end, guess what? You're still getting it. You're just getting a new and I think improved atmosphere. You're getting a mountain that's going to be reshaped a little bit. And now you get a story that's tied to an IP that is more relevant than this blackballed 1940s film. Like it is the best of all worlds. If a kid goes on Splash Mountain, and it's like, oh, what is this from? You're like, oh, this movie called Song of the South that you literally can't watch because it's nowhere. What is this film right now? Oh, this is, this is uh, Tiana and she's from Princess and the Frog. We'll watch it when we get home. Like, yeah. it just makes so much more sense. I'm a, I don't care. I will appreciate a good IP tie-in. 
I'm not afraid of it. And I think that they're doing going to do a great job of this. So I'm finally glad that it came to a close and we can shut up about it and experience a new attraction. And a first photo from inside the ride came out this week. And let me tell you, looks the same. Uh, and my expectation has always been that it's mostly going to be the same, just right. with a way better soundtrack. It's going to slap. Uh, next one, I'm going to dive into Marvel with you. I thought the Marvels was the best Marvel film that came out this year. The Marvels is a fun. It's finally what what you got out of um, Doctor Strange two is what I got out of the Marvels, hmm. where it's finally we are going to be an absurd superhero story, very comic booky, very funny, uh, very absurd, and it's still going to have some heart to it. I dislike that people hate on it because people don't want to invest in these women superheroes that's what it is I call it as it is and so people don't go to see it it's the lowest performing marvel movie in years and i had so much fun at it it is funny brie larson does a much better job at the captain mm, marvel character this time around hmm. i watched the miss marvel series on disney plus and while it was like okay i love kamala I love that Miss Marvel character a lot. And then we get Monica Rambo back. And they just work so well together on screen. The soundtrack was so good. You get Nick Fury back and he has to then deal with these three who are trying to understand each other and themselves at the same time. Like, I just thought it was such good storytelling. I thought it was so funny and so lighthearted as a comic book should be. So I loved the Marvels. Adventureland opened up the new treehouse. I talked all about it on that that episode, but why I think this is a great thing of 2023 is because we don't need an e-ticket attraction in order to do good storytelling yeah. and themed environments. We don't. That treehouse will be a people eater for years to come. I guarantee it. It is something to see. It is so heavily detailed. The views around the park are phenomenal, and it's just some place to kind of Get away from it all. We need more of that kind of stuff. I don't want to wait eight years for Tron. I don't want to wait, you know, four years for Tiana's Splash Mountain. I want to just be able to experience something that feels Disney, feels themed. It doesn't even have to be IP like this one. It's not IP. Just walk through. And it was, I love it. I'm so happy they did it. Adventureland is better for it. The parks are better for it. Same vein, new Toontown. Went ahead and they opened up the new and refreshed Toontown. I was pleasantly surprised. It kept in the same energy, the same cartoonish Roger Rabbit Toontown, but gave it a completely new energy. You can do that. You're allowed to do that. You, If it's not broken, don't fix it. And they didn't have to fix this one. They just improved upon it. Now, is it perfect? No. There's a ton of elements that haven't opened up. There's a ton of stuff that doesn't work. But... I think overall, it's an attraction. Uh, it's a crowd pleaser. People are going there they're in droves. The crowds are huge. Uh, and I love that for the, that side of the park. It's great. And I hope that stays forever. And, and then the last I, one. Can I yeah, interject please. real quick on that please, one? Please, please. I think, I think I'm really happy that New Toontown is on there. Adventureland Treehouse is on there. Uh, I talked a little bit about World of Frozen. And of course, we had a Moana uh, yeah, Journey Adventure of Journey of Water. Um, as well. And we didn't get to experience that. I don't really know anything about it, but I think you're starting to see 
the tide turn yeah. when it comes to what the expectation is for, from uh, the park guest when they go into a Disney park. And it really, there was a lot of growing pains, I think, at first when you had the genie service roll out for the first time, when the park was getting overcrowded, um, coming out of the pandemic, it was tough. It, yeah. was, it was, it was, how am I expected to experience the park in the same way that I have in the past using a completely different set of tools? And yeah. so I think people are starting to buy into some of these things that make your Disney day a little bit different. Instead of riding seven rides and maybe getting one meal, you're riding four rides and getting three or four small snacks and leaving with a really cool t-shirt or something. So totally. um, I'm, I'm liking the direction. I'm hoping that it will keep improving uh, and Disney will start creating some more of these sort of uh, spaces that don't require waiting in a long line, anticipation, disappointment, things breaking down, that kind of stuff. Totally. And then my last one for 2023, uh, Lion King Broadway, the tour returned in 2023 mm. and is going to go through 2024. And I was lucky enough to see it. Uh, I've seen it. I saw it back when I was in fourth grade at the uh, Orpheum in San Francisco. Got to see mm. it again in the same theater this year. Uh, it is such a fun and heartfelt show with some of the world's greatest performers. And we're so lucky that they were able to come to the Bay Area. Uh, the Nina went for the very first time and it was awesome to watch the show through her as well. Uh, there's so many elements and interactive elements of the show that surprise you for the first time that you are in awe of if you've never seen it. And so I'm just so happy that a, a theater show like this is back, especially recovered from the pandemic, and we can start seeing some of these live performers again. So uh, yeah, that's kind of my greats, the goods of 2023. All right. Well, let's move into some not so goods. Um, first one for me is Disney Lorcana. Uh, and, Interesting. If you, and if you don't know what Lorcana is, you are not alone. And the reason why is Disney created this trading card game called Lorcana. There's a little bit of Pokemon, a little bit in the Magic the Gathering, um, and severely underestimated the popularity of the game. Yeah. That's part of that has to do with Disney not really being in this sort of like tabletop gaming space. Uh, at least like serious tabletop gaming space before. Um, and part of that is just classic, um, you know, 2020, 2023 retail shenanigans uh, <laughs> where, you know, you, you purposefully, you know, underestimate your product. So that creates a little bit of hype, a little artificial scarcity. Uh, and just the fact that we are now six months removed from when the game quote unquote came out and I still I still have only seen one pack in the flesh in my whole life. Yeah. Uh and so probably a fun game, but if you no one can play it, it's a piece of crap. Uh Marvel. Yeah, I mean, you know, Marvel had a couple of things came out this year that worked, but guess what? They had a lot that came out this year <laughs> that didn't work as well. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania was, uh, I think, the one that I saw in, in March, February or March. 
Uh, and that was the one that sort of like put the nail in the coffin for me when it came to Marvel. I was like, you know what? I'm out. Like, I don't have time to do this. I don't want to sit in a movie theater for two and a half, three hours uh, and, and do this movie that best case scenario is just pretty good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like, uh, I don't know. And I mean, like, maybe that's just the way it always has been. Uh, and, and I don't know. We, don't the, know. the recency bias is those last four or five Infinity Saga movies that um, were kind of the crescendo. Uh, so they had a little bit more of an emotional impact, but yeah, uh, I, I thought it was a not so great year for Marvel. And I think the general public sort of agrees. And, and I'll talk a little bit more about PR and public perception and stuff when you talk about um, some of your things, Kyle, but cool. I agree with you about the Disney 100 coming up short. That's in my not so goods as well. Uh, and, and particularly once upon a studio, which I don't oh, know if that's a hot take. Yeah, I but, think that's that's hot take in my world. Um, I thought that Once Upon a Studio was sort of a perfect um, encapsulation of why Disney 100 has not worked for me and maybe for some others as well. Uh, Disney has positioned Disney 100 as this like, here's all of the things that we've done for you over Mm. the last hundred years. Let's take a moment for you to appreciate all that we've given you. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it special? Haven't we made so many great memories? Aren't we great? Aren't mm. we phenomenal storytellers? Uh, and there's even like a, a moment in in Once Upon a Dream, Once Upon a Studio, where they like look up at the Walt yeah, was painting awful. and they're that was like, awful. oh. That was awful. Um, and I just, I, I think about, you know, the Disneyland 50th anniversary and felt like that did such a better job almost giving part guests appreciation by making them feel included in the celebration. For example, Mm. gold car in all of the rides that had the 50th that were there for all 50 years. So that when you were riding that ride, you're like, are we going to get the gold car? We're going to get the gold car. Are we going to get it? That makes you feel a part of it, right? Sure. Or those photo collages that they had throughout the park that were of, of Disney fans. Yeah. Uh, it, with, with, you know, various scenes transposed onto them or the hidden Mickey Disney golden 50th, you know, like it makes it feel like we are all experiencing this celebration together as opposed to Disney just putting out like a greatest hits mixtape and mm. saying like, remember, remember this, remember can this I, too? Can I counter something about Once sure. Upon a Studio? Sure. I think that once upon a studio to the Disney 100 celebration is the same as the uh, 50th anniversary Disneyland fireworks to the Disneyland 50th celebration. It's not meant to carry the celebration on its back. It's supposed to be that thing that is like, remember all of this stuff? Remember these things? Remember the stuff that you enjoyed? So like the 50th anniversary fireworks starts with Julie Andrews being like, there once was a man yeah, who saw I hate an that orange too. And, I hate that and he built this thing for you. Aren't you so grateful for this? Now let's go ahead and play a lot of the soundtracks from the things that you've been on that he built for you. And that's what Once Upon a Studio is. And I think that's okay. I think like I enjoyed seeing the progression of animation, the interaction of animation, uh, the character types i love that they brought up back a lot of the original folks to re-record stuff for it and i love that they reanimated things it, it could have easily been one of those there are some and granted there are some that did this but it could have been a lot of reused footage that they just kind of spliced oh, over and yeah. just did it 
a lot of it was, but there was also a lot that they did reanimate. And I think that's awesome for the company to reinvest and not just make the mixtape. They did like half a mixtape and then bring everybody in and be like, here's the nostalgia. Here's the 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 things that played such a big part in your life. And it kind of all started with this idea of animation and look how far we've come. So I appreciate it in the same way that I appreciate the 50th anniversary uh, fireworks. But the 50th anniversary Disneyland celebration blows the 100 celebration of the company out of the water. So I, I'm with you yeah, on that. Sure. But I appreciate it once upon a studio. Uh, and and the merch was like another one that like really Ugh, it, it, they started out so strong, so strong, dude. Releasing <laughs> that you know quality hoodies with good design, coffee mugs with good design, and we even did a whole episode where like they're they're back, baby. Like they finally figured it out, uh, and they mostly just like kept those same items and re- re- like released things with silver now they, and some squishmallow set or they're target. like hey like, here's here's like an obscure character from the 80s as a plush you're welcome like what are we uh, doing yeah so like all in all like i feel like it just kind of they missed you know it's one of those things where like it feels like it's for you and not for us by the way side note no doesn't have anything to do with 2023 but once upon a studio them showing like the interior of the Walt Disney Animation Studios office, I was so disappointed at how uninspiring that building looked. Like gonna- you, sh- like you show that Pixar documentary, and like there's life-size statues of Luxo and people riding around on segways, and like there's like art from, you know, uh, but not like oh here's just like a picture of Mike Wazowski. It's like oh here's like the wireframe model, and it just like seems like a place that's so inspiring and like that man that Walt Disney Animation Studio building did not look like that I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to reveal some things that I learned from <laughs> the director of the Goofy movie uh when when I talk about it on Patreon so subscribe because there's some insight that lends interesting. to that Interesting interesting um so anyways, uh, let's keep moving on. Some not so good things for me in 2023. And this is real inside baseball, Kyle. The Toy Story football game. I d- do not like it. Uh, the Nickelodeon slime games, not Disney, but I don't like those as well. Uh, the, s- the slime games are so much better than the Toy Story game because the Toy Story game tried to track the players and incorporate Make it make him play in Andy's room as little dolls. At least the slime game was the actual game. They just fired off slime cannons. <laughs> here's here's like my take. And again, this is literally inside baseball because like this is this is my whole job, right? Is like how do we get kids interested in a game that is increasingly being enjoyed by older and older people? The solution is not tricking little kids into thinking your game is something that it's not. <laughs> the trick is to just a make your game more appealing to young kids or share share the information with kids so that they can find interest and inspiration in the things that are that are maybe not so plain to see to them. Yeah. It's as simple as that and and making slime cannons go off in the end zone is not taking a kid who didn't like football and now he loves football. Like, <laughs> sure. Yes. Uh, so the Toy Story football game, uh, the sports social like, people were loving this, man. They were like, this is such a cool idea. And I'm just like, this is so misguided waste of money. Yep. Pin trading and pin collecting, man. 
the pin trading benches, they finally went down in Frontierland this year. It was a big deal. The removal of those bench-dwelling Disney pin traders. Um, and I think that's just sort of symbolic of how much attention Disney has been giving the pin trading hobby um, over the last decade or so. It's just been weaning uh, to yeah. the point that they really only have three or four little columns of pins in any of the world of Disney stores. And it's all, it's, I went to Disney world for the first time, like in 2019, 18, they've got the same pins there. They haven't. Yeah. Same Disney dust one, on it. Disney, Disney 100 pins. Like, Oh, let's just take the same pin and make it silver. There's just very little sort of like creativity there. And just the pin trading has just been going down. Really quick, going back to Disney 100, because I am off this red ale and I need to talk about it. All right. I went to five, six parks in a span of a month looking for a Disney 100 pin or ornament to commemorate the fact that I went to all of the American parks on the, in the year of the 100th mm. celebration. Their pins, awful absolute garbage it's either you get one of those platinum character a platinum spider-man where only his head is red for some reason you get a mickey and Minnie like overly graphic depiction yeah. of them with the castle like yeah don't need it too much stuff or you get what i ended up getting and i don't even like it that much is the like 100 in the disney 100 kind of like logo font with for whatever reason Chippendale on it. So that's on my tree. I got Chippendale, who I don't even I don't even F with because I wanted something that said I was there during the Here's what you gotta do. You gotta you gotta somehow remove DIY, remove the flubber from your flubber ornament, oh, remove baby. the Chippendale, and then just like combine like Andy's uh, Sid's room style. Flubber on 100. E they're on either side. I get Flubber on one. I get Bad Goofy on the other. <laughs> that is a, a deep cut Mouse Madness <laughs> reference. Um, the last not so good for me is uh, Nighttime Entertainment. <sighs> Happily Ever After came back uh, at Magic Kingdom in 2023. Uh, uh, you mentioned Main Street Electrical Parade. Like, There's always a temptation of that coming back. Fantasmic went down this year due to Fire a little fire on a dragon, I suppose. <laughs> um, but and and we saw Fantasmic at um, Hollywood Studios, and that also sort of like fell a little bit flat with us. And yeah. so it just feels like they're in need of like a desperate refresh uh, and and a more creative approach to the idea that people are not leaving the park at three o'clock anymore. Right. As tickets become more expensive, people are staying longer. Right. How do you entertain those people without there being only one thing for them to see in a very small space? Yep. So I think they have a lot to work of work to do in that department. And I just really felt the effects of that when we were at Disney World. Uh, the one nighttime thing we we tried to see, but like it was it was just a very difficult experience. I Can guess I, we saw two, and they were both kind of difficult experiences. We decided both, that like it was a better use of our time to go drink and <laughs> to go eat some food. Yeah, go try literally anything else than those. Yeah. I will also add that with the nighttime entertainment, 
their after hours stuff in 2023 missed the mark. And it ended oh, with yeah. the fiasco that was Jollywood's Jollywood Nights, Jollywood Studios. I, I don't know. Um, they were not prepared. They're not ready. They're not staffed to do the things that they need to do. And yet they still do them. So now we are not only paying all this money to go to these things. So we stay for longer. They don't have the staff ready to do it. Mm-hmm. And they for, they still are like, we're just going to chug through because people are going to pay for it. Yes, we're going to pay for it. We're fans of you. But also at some point, we're going to stop. And maybe we won't. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I say this every single year. Like you, you vote with your money. Yeah. And yet, and we continue to vote. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just, yeah. We're, we're just, just simps for Disney. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, so those are my not so good things in 2023. Kyle, what are a few for you? Let me bre- breeze through the first one. Okay. Galactic Star Cruiser closed. Oh my God. There was the possibly the biggest swing and the largest miss from a massive company that has happened in the last decade out of Disney with the Galactic Star Cruiser. And if you don't know what that is, it was a Star Wars themed hotel, but it was more of an experience than a hotel. You were to be transported onto a ship. The ship was going to go to space. You would stay on this ship. You would land in Batuu. You would have a day in Batuu. Only Batuu. Two rides. And then you would come back to the Star Cruiser, take off, and then land and go back home. It was like a three and a half day experience. It was like something crazy, like $1,500 a person, a person to sleep yeah. in a cruise ship sized cabin to, no then have to, to, no then have to interact with cast members who were fully themed and in story. Like, who is this appealing to? Well, I like Disney seriously overestimated the overlap between their ultra luxury vacationers and their Star Wars fan. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. But what the thing I hate about it the most is that, you know, like 10 years from now, people are going to be like, God, I wish I wish I could have experienced the Galactic Star Cruiser in its original form. <laughs> and it's going to be that like this nostalgia for this like failed version of the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see that in energy, but like realistically it was no one could afford it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like we all reminisce I you reminisce over DCA 1.0. We could we could afford going there. <laughs> we just miss what it was. Yeah. But like, I couldn't afford to go to Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, and so I would be bound to find myself missing it or yeah. or reminiscing over its yeah. loss. So it's crazy. The next complete miss for me is the overall marketing that Disney has done, and it's not. I guess it's not twenty twenty three specific. Pandemic, I'll give them a break. But in 2023 specifically, they were awful. They've been awful. I think the last two movies that really intrigued me by their marketing, Frozen 2 trailer, the first trailer. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The Dark, Elsa, and seeing the water knock. Yep. And that's basically it. And then a bunch of cut scenes of like other action and other excitement. Like, 
really, really intriguing and really well done and characters that we love. That's easy to do. That's an easy marketing thing to do because we already know the characters. So I'm going to give another one. Turning Red. Turning Red's marketing was fantastic because it turned into the nostalgia of those who were alive during the early 2000s, late 90s, and also appealed to the kids of today. It started with, uh, you just saw like a red, uh, a girl in class who was being embarrassed by her mom and in the background was NSYNC's It's Gonna Be Me, where he says May, which is the main character's name. And she turns into a panda in the classroom. You're like, what is what is going on? And that made it so fun to try and go see. Obviously, yeah. I'm biased because I love that movie. But I thought that that's what got me to go see it. And I was able to go see it in theaters. It's coming back in 2024 yeah. to be actually actually wide release yeah. in theaters yeah um but everything else in 2023 so far or so far we're at the end of it didn't nothing compelled me to see wish yeah. at all nothing I, compelled me to see elemental yep. nothing compelled me to see indiana indiana jones 5 i don't mm. even know that i know what it might even kind of be about <laughs> like that's what's crazy um yeah, it seems like the like main mainline Disney Studios, whether that's live action or animation or even Pixar, are starting to take plays out of the books of things like Marvel or DC or like television, like things that are just not that. Mm. Uh, and it cre- and it just it doesn't line up. There's a little bit of like dissonance, discordance. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but for me, when it comes to marketing, like the big thing for Disney was always like the the relationship with um, the press and like media tours and like media junkets and all that stuff. And those things have become more and more rare. And especially, uh, you know, with the um, the strike that happened this year, I don't think they went on a lot of those. But the news cycle around Disney, just in general, not just when it comes to like the movie marketing, but the news cycle. And the conversation around the company was not good in no. 2023. No, uh, it's it, and it's this sort of like um, slippery slope where you see a, an article, a clickbait article on your Google that says like Disney releases like biggest flop in company history. In your head, you go, God, it must be a piece of crap then. Uh, and then so you you get this negative perception of of the company, or you're on YouTube and you see these videos that are like, you know woke Disney, you know, loses <laughs> billion dollars, you know, next quarter. And, and you're just like, all right. So now liking Disney is this like political statement. And, mm. and like, it's just the, it, it's really hard for Disney. I think to compete with all of that noise when it comes to marketing its products, because um, it's almost like it's too mainstream now where, sure. where like everyone has their two cents on Disney so there's really no way to sneak any sort of creative marketing effort past the perpetual news cycle, the perpetual conversation about um, Disney and, and the stock price and all that stuff. So it, so it was very frustrating for me um, to kind of find any motivation to, to pick up any of these new products because of that. So PR kind of t- uh, goes hand in hand with marketing. So I wanted to, to mention that there. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's, 
very, very fair. And that's unfortunate because a lot of times I try and fight that. A lot of times yeah. if I see especially public perception on Twitter or now X or <laughs> articles, reviews about how critics didn't like it, mm-hmm. that I feel like I often am going to like it m- more than what hmm. the critics have to say because I know they're they're grading against something that is unattainable. Yeah. And so often I'll go see. I think like I, I think of Soul as being one of those where like hmm. critics were pretty split. They weren't super impressed, but they said it was like kind of a fine movie. And I found that film to be phenomenal. And so I I try and uh, with Wish, Wish, I will say, has gotten to me with the public perception because it has lessened my urgency to go see it. And that's the company's own fault for having Disney Plus. So like, <laughs> I know I will see it. I just I, I won't go out of my way to right. go see it during the busy holiday season. It's a paradox. It's a paradox. Exactly. Thousand percent. And I yeah, it's thousand percent. My next one is canceling actually decent content on Disney Plus and continuing to fund awful content. Yeah, and it's not just canceling, it's like removing old content that's already been made. Right. Totally. So, for example, Muppets Mayhem which was a series about the electric mayhem trying to find their groove again, which I thought was so good. We watched every episode. It was a world release. We had so much fun. It's so funny. I love the Muppets. That is that, that, is that good, good humor. Mm-hmm. Canceled. Mm-hmm. You know what we're getting another season of in the new year? The Santa Clauses. Oh, God. With notoriously awful person Tim Allen continuing the role of Santa Claus the first movie was good. We can't let it go. <laughs> we had two more <laughs> movies, and now we have three seasons of this stupid three show. Three seasons? Oh, my God. The second season was this Christmas, and now Yikes. we're going to get another one next. Oh God. People must be watching it. And that's what sucks for us. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, I mean, like, there's also inventory issues, right? That's what yeah. happens when you when you buy out Fox is that you then have to also host National Geographic. And they're renewing a, a, a reality series, not reality, like a game show series called Brain Games. I'm sorry. I'm not the audience for Brain Games. <laughs> I'm not coming to Disney Plus to watch Brain well, Games on National Geographic. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the, that's the thing that the Disney brand always had going for it was that it is a different type of entertainment. And when you try and make Disney plus a place like Netflix, where you go, I'm literally looking to disassociate my mind from reality (laughs) uh, in the most base form. Uh, You go on Netflix and you go, what's trending? I don't know. Red sky. Sure. Right. Who's in that Ryan Gosling and Adam Sandler sounds like exactly what I'm looking for right now. Yeah. Like when it comes to Disney, like you're looking for something completely different. And so, I mean, no disrespect to brain game. I'm sure it's a complete, fun show i'm sure uh it just seems like that's what they're focused on uh, focusing on doing is finding ways to sort of keep people on the app more than like keep people inspired and dreaming Mm. and like the things that used to guide the company values yeah my next one is the the phantasmic dragon fire love it which you brought up a little bit in your your discussion of nighttime entertainment tragic for the company because that was an area that they spent so much time changing uh, pre-pandemic. Yeah. They took out yeah. like, the stairs. They took yeah. out the viewing platforms. Yeah. They were ready to 
to make this a new nighttime destination that didn't inconvenience the people who weren't going to watch it. And what happens? The dragon catches on fire. <laughs> and not only that, but they have to now completely change the show. And out of that, we get news recently that the Pirates of the Caribbean section is gone. Peter Pan is back. Annoying. Yeah. <laughs> and we're not probably going to get the dragon. We're going to get mm-hmm. something else. So like that's detrimental to the show because this is a show that's been there since like 1992 and like it's changed over and over again, but we really hit the sweet spot. I I think right before that pirates change uh, where it was just, it was that good, good. And so that was yeah. detrimental. That's the not so great of, of that Disney uh, show. Yeah. And then like that feeds up into like the, like Disney skimping on their maintenance budget. Uh, thing too that sort of picked up a lot of steam in in 2023 i mean the number of toilets that were just completely blowed up uh that i saw this year at walt disney world yes like they're cutting back in just about every capacity this the other day i saw like a post on reddit about how like the popcorn carts smell like butt now uh, because like they're being forced to use expired oil that is still safe to consume but smells like rank butt crack whoa Uh, so maybe someone who's been to disneyland in the last like week can confirm but uh but yeah parks sort of like routine maintenance budget not great and it leads to things like the murphy fire sure and then my final one is that animal kingdom turned 25 this year and we didn't talk about it didn't even know didn't no one knew they were so wrapped up in their lackluster disney 100 celebration that they didn't even acknowledge the milestone i'm sure they did i'm sure on the day there was like a cavalcade i'm sure there was like (laughs) i was there on the 25th anniversary buttons but like this is a park that you've recently reinvested in this is a park that's notorious notoriously at the bottom of people's rankings like Mm. give it something to bring people to so that you can say this is a state of the art this is a world leading park that people Mm. should visit and we are celebrating it. It is an easy sell. People love that park who are fans of it. You can bring in new people very easily if you just talk about it. And you're about to reinvest again by tearing out an entire section of it to build a new, I don't know, Encanto land. You're mm. building Columbia back there. Yeah. Uh, so like, yeah, that sucks. It was a missed opportunity. It was not so great. And that rounds out my not so goods. Well, there you have it, folks. We've got all our, our review kind of, of of 2023. There were a few things we didn't really mention. We didn't really get into talking about things like Elemental. No. Uh, and there were a few other sort of parks things and, and content things. There's just Ashoka, Asahoka. Uh, yeah, like, dude, I don't know. which I haven't seen. So like, yeah, there you I go. mean, like there was just a lot <laughs> this year. Yeah. So, so let us know if there's any like 2023 things that you particularly enjoyed that you particularly did not enjoy? Are you feeling the same way that we are? A little bit burnt out, looking for ways to kind of reinvigorate your your Disney fandom? Do you disagree with anything we said? Do you agree with anything we said? Hit us up. Also, we'd love to know what you all think about the like non-bracket episode. You know, like yeah. I don't want to stray too far from sort of like the core concept of this show, which is, you know, about not talking about um, all of the Disney current events um, right. because so many people already do that. I think we like to create a space to to talk about Disney in a way that's a little bit more intellectual, a little bit more uh, 
pretending characters are real people and pretending <laughs> like movies are actual events. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, if you, if you don't mind us, you know, shooting the breeze once in a while, uh, you know, just go ahead and, and let us know. We, we would love to hear from you. Kyle, any any other final thoughts before we, uh, before we sign off? No, I think thank you all for another great, great year. Uh, we love doing the show. We love hearing from you all. We've heard from some new folks. We've had yeah, the same yeah, returners. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's been such a great year of not only growth for our little MOMAD community, but also just us putting in different energies, more energies into each show. Uh, and you all do that for us. You all keep us coming back. We know that you're listening. We see that you're posting about us. We see all that good stuff. So uh, yeah. Great year of 2023. I'm really excited for all of the stuff in 2024. And if you have any suggestions or changes, as Chris just said, hit us up. Like, we're always listening. Yeah, we're on social media. All of our channels linked in the description of this episode. You don't have to get a hold of us. Once again, Disney trivia coming up in January. Patreon.com slash Mouse Madness. And uh, make it your holiday New Year's resolution to be a trivia winner hey. in 2024. But folks, hope you are and do have a happy holiday season hope you had a great 2023 and hope things are looking great for you in 2024 take care